1: Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Katz and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now here's John Katzamitidis and Rita Cosby.
2: Well, this is John Katzamitidis. Well, it's almost it's Thursday, almost one more day till Friday, Rita. What a busy week! And th- we have an action-packed show today, by the way, John. We got too. a lot of breaking news, I understand today, and we're going to make a lot of news uh, in the studio with us. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, a common sense uh, Democrat, and a common sense uh, Republican on Thursday. Oh Well, I'm glad everything went well Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday.
3: great, John. I'm back in great shape.
2: Congressman Peter King. With and I got King's a new haircut highway. for Rita. Yes, and, I uh, King's noticed. Highway was named after him. By
0: the way, I just he noticed he got a haircut for me, and he
2: looks and, great. And by the way, he promised that there's never going to be a toll or congestion pricing on King's Highway.
0: <laughs> now, there's, uh, there's a
2: lot of breaking news going on. Breaking News, and, uh, WABC. Why don't we bring back uh, Ambassador Bolton to talk about... We're giving six billion dollars
0: to Iran. What the heck is all that all about? This is insane. Joining us now is the former UN ambassador, Ambassador John Bolton. John, this is incredible. Uh, they are saying what maybe some sort of hostage swap. And then we may end up paying somewhere like six billion, as John was just saying, to unfreeze assets, to give it to the terrorist regime in Iran. Is this nuts?
4: Uh, It is. Uh, It's been rumored for a while. You know, uh, it was one of the things that Rob Malley, the Iran negotiator, uh, I think was working on before his security clearances were uh, were lifted uh, because of uh, concern about his use of classified materials. Uh, And I think uh, because the international crisis group was involved in negotiating with Iran on this housing where Malley used to work this is going to be something congress needs to look into on the hostage swap itself uh, obviously we're happy to get american citizens released although they're not out of iran yet they were they were held uh, on pretext there's no legitimate reason to hold them but uh, as you and john have been saying you know it's america's duty to get its hostages out without putting a price on their heads And if it's $6 billion that's going to be unfrozen for Iran, and and there's talk as well of Iranian prisoners uh, as part of this swap, too, it means that the Biden administration now says to the world, to Hamas, to Hezbollah, you name it, uh, you can get $1.2 billion per American. So the price for our bargaining chips, our poor prisoners, has now gone up dramatically. This is not the way you resolve a hostage situation.
0: I agree, because it puts every American in danger. You know, the other thing also, Ambassador John Bolton, uh, they're claiming, you know, uh, the, that there would be restrictions. And again, we're it's all kind of breaking right now. But they're claiming, well, you know, they could only use it for food, for medicine. That is such hogwash. You know, there are so many ways uh, that Absolutely. this regime. And, and you know what it makes me think of, uh, Ambassador, too? Uh, the whole thing that happened with Obama, remember, John, the pallets of cash uh, that came in the middle count, of the night. Are they going
2: to count the money? I mean, there was like two airplanes full full of money, $100 Yeah, it was bills. cash.
0: Remember, it was cash. It was cold, hard cash. I mean, that's the yeah. whole, you know, come on.
4: Yeah, look, this uh, uh, money is fungible. This means that Iran will have uh, $6 billion it didn't have before. I mean, the argument that they can restrict it to humanitarian uh, uses is ridiculous. In fact, one of the things that they've said—it was rumored before about this deal—was that the the sum of that six billion would be used to pay Iran's arrearages in its dues to the UN. How about that for a humanitarian purpose? Oh my purposes? god! We are now effectively paying Iran's UN assessed contributions. Uh, and look, we we all feel for the families of hostages. I understand that, but the but the the, the problem is in getting these hostages back, maybe, and they're not back yet, uh, is that it puts many, many more Americans in jail. There's an estimate uh, that in Iran right now are 10,000 American citizens, probably, of Iranian Iranian heritage, maybe with dual citizenship. It, it's not a question of some American leaving New York and going to Iran tomorrow. 10,000 Americans at risk in Iran right now.
0: Yeah, that is scary. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you got a question for but, the former U.S. Ambassador. ambassador. What are they going to do with this
5: money? Go further under military program for nuclear weapon armaments to send to Russia, so they can bomb the the Ukrainians, finance their terrorist organizations. Are we totally out of our minds?
4: Yeah, I think I think we are totally out of our minds. Look, if money, as I said, money is fungible. It may require some fancy bookkeeping to shift numbers on a on a balance sheet to, to different places. Uh, So that it doesn't look like these unfrozen funds, probably from from funds that were frozen by South Korea, are actually paying for drones to fight the Ukrainians or for the terrorist activities of the Revolutionary Guards or or to go to pay their nuclear scientists and technicians. But that is the effect of it. And it's part of this administration, I think, uh, trying to keep hope alive that they can go back into the 2015 nuclear deal.
0: And it hasn't. You know what? It also is ambassador to me. It's sort of par for the course of what this administration. They have been so appeasing. Um, whether it's Iran, whether it's China, uh, don't you think it's sort of par for the course?
4: Yeah. Look, I, the, the uh, despite my disagreements with Donald Trump, the hostages that came out during his administration—this was that were not cash for hostages transactions, uh, whether from Korea or from Iran. Uh, they, they got out because basically they didn't believe they would get any money uh, from the U.S. Uh, in those circumstances. But now th- this is proof to the rest of the world, to the Russians, to the Chinese, to every terrorist group out there that the price on an American's head right now is mm-hmm. $1.2 and maybe climbing.
3: John, John, this is Pete King. Besides the money, the fact that if there is an exchange of hostages – doesn't that almost guarantee that five more Americans are going to be taken prisoner over the next year or so? No, in case they need money next month. <laughs> that just to get, well, absolutely. That'll get their that, prisoners it, back.
4: Now, it legitimizes their argument that these people are spies or have done something illegal or something like that. Just, just like the hostages the Russians have taken in Moscow, these are just Americans who were over there for whatever reason, seeing their families or, 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 or whatever it might be, and they're picked up as pawns. These regimes are entirely cynical. They know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're building up assets to trade with us. And this administration, the bazaar is open.
2: Ambassador Bolton, uh, things have been going on the last few weeks in, uh, in Africa where the Wagner Group, which is part of Russia, a subsidiary now that we know that better, uh, and uh, uh, taking over some African countries, uh, uh, Niger or, or Mali. Or, what do you know? What do you hear about that? And they're putting up the Russian flag.
4: Yeah, the, the, the Wagner Group is all over Africa. It's been a very effective surrogate for the Russians. Uh, they're in league with the Chinese who have been buying up the uh, mineral assets all over Africa. The situation in Niger, I must say, is a little unclear at this point. But the, the democratically elected government has been overthrown. We apparently have good relations with the general who has led the coup. But, you know, this is the sort of thing that can destabilize the entire continent. And the countries that benefit from instability are going to be China and Russia.
0: You know, one of the other things that has happened in the last 24 hours is this assassination attempt, uh, assassination, I should say, of this candidate in Ecuador, and I was reading just how like there are gangs running wild there. We have a lot of these people from Ecuador crossing our border. Uh, what is your yeah. thoughts of just how dangerous the situation is there and for us?
4: Well, I think if you look all over South America with the election over the past uh, 12, 18 months of a number of left wing regimes in, in Brazil and uh, Bolivia and Argentina, I, I think the situation in uh, in the Southern Hemisphere on our side of the, of the Atlantic is, is, is worsening and you know, the Russians and the Chinese are going to take advantage of that. This is this is why they've tried so hard to maintain the Maduro uh, dictatorship in Venezuela, why they still support Danny Ortega in Nicaragua and the, and the post-Castro regime in Cuba. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the Wagner group is, is active uh, somewhere in Ecuador at this point.
2: And, you know, I was talking to uh, – I wrote a press release uh, yesterday or this morning after the CPI came – and there's an economic war going on, uh, uh, Secretary, Ambassador. Uh, uh, the fact that uh, uh, Russia wants $85 oil and OPEC nations wants $85 oil, where America wants uh, $60, $65 oil. And what Russia is doing is financing the war against Ukraine and financing the Wagner Group in Africa.
4: Yeah. The administration tried a very uh, academic uh, a scheme to put a price on a price cap on oil to to allow Russians to continue to sell oil, but at not too high a price, so it didn't raise gas prices in the United States. I think the evidence is in that that has failed. Uh, the Russians are selling pretty much any amount they want. They're not getting quite the price they want, but it's in excess of that cap and uh, they're selling it to countries like China and India that are happy to get it at a discount and they are financing the war I mean this is this is something I think the uh, price we, of we oil
2: is financing the war
4: yeah this is and, and that's right and and this is something that uh, we can't resolve right now but we need a real overhaul of our sanctions enforcement capability whether it's against Russia Iran, Uh, north korea you name it we declare sanctions the europeans declare sanctions and then the targets of the sanctions evade them and we sit around and act like uh, it's business as usual it's really it's got to stop to to make sanctions effective you need a much bigger much stronger enforcement mechanism in the united states and very definitely stronger efforts by europe which, which does almost nothing once its sanctions are announced
2: ambassador we have 30 seconds left anything else you want
4: to tell the american people Well, you know, there's a meeting coming up in Washington next week, the president of South Korea, the prime minister of Japan, coming to meet with uh, Joe Biden, potentially very important meeting to strengthen our allies out there in the Pacific against North Korea and China. This will be a test of Biden's leadership. I don't have my hopes up, though.
2: I understand. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. And thank you. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you for what you do for our country and speak out for our country. And we'll talk again real soon.
4: Thanks again, John.
2: And I understand we got some breaking news. Rita has John Solomon on the phone. Breaking news, WABC.
0: And joining us now with some big breaking news is John Solomon, the founder of Just the News. John, what do you got? It looks like more stuff ahead for President Trump.
6: Oh, oh yes. Uh, Jack Smith doesn't want to waste any time. He would like the uh, January 6th trial to start right at the beginning of the primary season, January 2nd. 2024. That's the date that Jack Smith has proposed for the president uh, to face trial in the January 6 uh, case. Uh, I'm sure that's going to get challenged and debated. There's going to be a lot of appellate issues that are going to go up and down the court system the next few months, but really clear that uh, Jack Smith would like to get this in before the primaries are over and uh, set the date, really the day after New Year's 2024, and just a couple weeks before the Iowa caucuses. That is generating a lot of news today. In a couple of minutes, we'll be breaking the story at Just the News. It'll be live literally uh, by dinnertime. Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee have opened an investigation uh, into the use of geofence warrants. This is a new tactic, relatively new, where the FBI goes in and says, give me everybody's phone uh, data in an area, you know, maybe around the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, and then we'll go find the bad guys A lot of very serious concerns that this tactic, which was used in January 6th, it's also being used in things like bank robberies and other things, that it violates the Fourth Amendment's protection to ensure that searches are only based on probable cause and specific evidence. Uh, These are large digital dragnets. House Judiciary Committee Chairman jumping in on an issue, but he's got some odd bedfellows, the ACLU. The, uh, the electronic privacy information center two uh, civil liberty groups on the left. Also just as concerned about this issue. Most Americans I don't think understand in this new digital era how much can be swept up on the person without really having to have probable cause house judiciary is digging in on that. That story is about to break in a few seconds.
0: Um, also, what about also all the Hunter Biden stuff? You have a good thing. You got a good scoop here, John, as you always do um, about the whole tie with the Porsche and the money. Explain all that.
6: Yeah, there's a great moment. Uh, I think this will be one of the uh, email messages that will live in infamy when people fully absorb what was going on with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and there. So yesterday we got these bank records from Comer and they show twenty million plus dollars swing to Biden family accounts from foreign interests, and many of these multi million dollar or large payments, some six figure, some seven figure, come within a day or weeks of the foreign uh, power, the foreign. Uh, clients getting a private sit down with joe biden basically hunter biden was using a dinner with dad to impress his clients who just happened to drop millions of dollars on him just before these dinners one of these dinners occurred april 2014 another call occurred in april 2015 and uh, there are russians and romanians and UK- ukrainians and kazakhstanis that are getting in all of them have their own issues in their country they're Some of them are flagged by the State Department, but Joe Biden has no problem having dinner with them, and Hunter Biden has no no problem taking money. Well, here's a famous one. So one of those occurs in April 2015. There is a a Kazakh energy businessman, and he wants to get John Kerry to come visit his country and also get some FaceTime with Joe Biden. And as that dinner is coming together in 2015, uh, uh, he is, uh, Hunter Biden is pressing for him to drop a check on one of his companies that are then going to get turned around to buy a $142,300 Porsche, which, by the way, it turns around very quickly. The dinner occurs on April 16th. Uh, I'm sorry, it then occurs in um, uh, early spring, April. And then a little bit later, uh, there is a, re- the money comes in, it goes into one account, and then it goes right out to the car dealer that buys the Porsche for uh, Hunter Biden, $142,300. That's the exact amount. But as that's going on, as the pressure campaign is going on, there's a really fun uh, email that I think will live in for me. You'll kind of get a sense of what Hunter Biden was doing here. Uh, he writes to uh, his business partner who's dealing with the uh, Kazakhstanis, um, uh, let me just find the exact quote is uh, I know I'm being a pain in the derriere. He uses a little bit more, um, uh, colorful word than that, but what do I need to do regarding the Porsche? He couldn't wait to get his Porsche out of the dinner that uh, he arranged for his father with this um, Romanian or excuse me, this uh, Kazakhstan businessman, Mr. Rokhasev an email caught in time. When you take the email database from the laptop with the payments of James Comer, you see a very clear pattern. People paying uh, Hunter Biden got access to Joe Biden at dinner on a phone call. It is a classic
3: influence peddling pattern. Wow. Hey, Peter King. Yeah, John. What is the latest word on uh, Georgia? The Georgia grand jury. What's the last thing you're hearing?
6: The guidance we are getting from prosecutors and law enforcement is most likely next Tuesday, or, or certainly next week, just before the Republican first Republican presidential debate. You look at the timing of all these investigations, which have been going on for you know, two, three years. Right, January sixth started on uh, January seventh, twenty twenty one, and here we are, right in the beginning of key political season moments in these, these cases are stacking up and trial requests are coming just before the primary. Uh, another indictment expected maybe just before the first presidential debate. It, it really feeds into a lot of Americans' concerns that these uh, prosecutions have more than a law enforcement purpose, maybe a political. But all eyes, I think the president's lawyer is expecting next week and the guidance we're getting from law enforcement down there is next week is a high probability week for that to occur.
2: Uh, we have 30 seconds before we go for a break. What, what else would you like to tell uh, all Americans or all New Yorkers?
6: Well, there's a big deal going on. Uh, Joe Biden and Iran maybe doing a prisoner swap that would free five uh, Iranian-Americans held. Six billion dollars would go to Iran, plus some prisoners. We'd get some of our people back. Uh, I think there are some chairs for it. There's also some people saying we don't pay for terrorists or, or other people to capture our Americans. It's a bad precedent. It encourages more people to do it for cash. We'll see how that plays out. But for those five Iranian-Americans, that could be good news. They could be home with their families.
3: That's six billion dollars.
2: What with do you think, uh, Congressman King?
3: Well, I tell you, it's, it's incredible. You know, the world we're living in today, John, is so different from what you and I grew up in. $6 billion, absolutely incredible.
2: Okay. Well, John Solomon, thank you so much, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Wow. Wow.
0: By no, the way, six billion, six billion. And also, you just heard Georgia charges, he says, probably coming against Trump next week. And the trial on one six, Peter, starting on one two. You know, this fits but into I mean,
3: every conspiracy theory. I mean, it's uh, this is definitely contrived by the administration to stop Donald Trump. Yeah, using like law enforcement to stop it. One right? a month.
2: Um, one a month. month. <laughs> Let's take a break right now. When we come back, uh, we have Dr. Peter Mihalos and a special guest in our studio. We have Jim Jacobs, who uh, ran 800 airplanes for NetJets.
1: A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC.
2: Well, we're back. This is John Katzmatidis, and we have a special guest in the studio. His name is Jim Jacobs, and we were jet pilots together, and we've, we we have bought an airplane in 1980, 81. I lose track. Uh, Roy Disney's, uh, and I remember the tale number, 4-4 Romeo Delta, R-D, and we started a business of flying people to Atlantic City. <clears throat> and then... Eventually, Jim Jacobs ran NetJets and was running an enterprise of 800 airplanes. Jim Jacobs tell us what the
7: heck is going on in the aviation industry. I understand it's bigger than ever It, it is very bigger than ever and uh, extremely dynamic, John and I do remember those days when we first started too. I, I think that airplane from Roy Disney might have been experimental. Uh, didn't have any reversers. It didn't have no anti anti-skid.
2: no. no anti-skids. Is, this was a Citation jet that was pre-Citation
7: 1, oh. pre-Citation 500, pre-pre-whatever it was. I think they were still developing. What it did have was me and you in the cockpit, and we had a lot of fun with it. But- we had a lot
2: of fun. I, I used to tell people we used to fly from New York to Florida at 300 feet over the, uh,
7: over the beach. People would wave to us, we could wave back, and nobody uh, got upset. You couldn't do that today. <laughs> Is that what you call a bird's-eye view? <laughs> <laughs> for both people, yeah. But the industry has, has really come along and been quite amazing, uh, John. But what I would say to you, because you kind of always knew this, and I'm I'm reasonably certain so many people don't. When they think of the BizJet world, they think of just well-to-do people being flown around and uh, serviced uh, just for themselves. But it's important to recognize uh, how much of this, how many jobs have been created in this industry, in this country? Um, manufacturing jobs, very critical ones. Most yeah, Jim, of there's so many
0: layers to it. Tell, hey, there is. People don't realize that, Jim.
7: So if you take a look at all the manufacturing that happens in this country with these airplanes, most are made here, and a significant portion of those are all well-paying jobs. If you think about what it what it takes to service these things and to fly them, And all the people involved, you're talking not just pilots and flight crew and people like that, but on the ground, the servicing people, the people guy that comes out with the fuel trucks and uh, catering and dispatchers. Maybe we'll
2: have more time to talk later.
7: But I remember the other airplane we were in,
2: we were in – uh, What was the the Hawker jet? What was yes. the tail number of that five, Hawker four, jet?
7: 545 Sierra. Five, five Sierra. It was Scoville's it. old airplane,
2: Scoville yeah. Company. And we and you were over mm. the Rocky Mountains uh,
7: at uh, 31,000 feet, and we lost an engine. We did, quite rapidly. You well, were we fine.
2: We must have made it because we're here now. We
7: are here. It was exciting, but we did make it.
2: Oh, Jim, we're going to talk about it more okay. later on, and we're going to find out how we made that emergency landing. Okay. I understand we also have Lou Dobbs on the phone. We have uh, Peter let's Dr. First. Michalos right yep. now, yep, Doctor Michalos. Tell us what's going on.
8: Well, first of all, I want to send my best regards to Jim Jacobs. He's a great guy, and uh, had a lot of fun uh, traveling uh, together. And today we're going to talk about something very important because half a million women in the United States suffer from something called postpartum depression. That's one in seven women in the U.S. are affected by this. And uh, the FDA just approved a medicine that's a pill. It's just one pill a day for 14 days. It's the first approved pill for postpartum depression. It's called Zerzuve, and hopefully it will be out by the fall, and it's going to be game-changing because, We all know people who have been through it. We know a prominent physician, for example, who's not practicing medicine anymore because they developed that. And uh, recently there was a lady physician who shot her four-month-old child in the head and shot herself in the head, and uh, it was probably due to postpartum uh, depression, it seems. So having a pill that makes people better in three days after taking the pill is a game changer and will probably save a lot of lives because something happens after women deliver babies and there's a hormonal basically dip in the happy hormones, the serotonin, and it's a big problem in the United States. And fortunately, this pill exists and there are centers. For example, the Seleni Institute started by Nitia Lobofetis in New York and uh, they've spread to other centers around the world to help women with this uh, horrible condition that can lead to death and suicide and the death of others as we recently found out. So that's a major game-changer and a breakthrough because the only other therapy was an IV therapy that cost $34,000 and it was given over a 60-hour period. So being able to just go to the pharmacy with a prescription from your physician and just taking one pill a day for 14 days is going to be a real game-changer for turning this around. And the last thing I'm going to comment and we'll talk about it more on our weekend show is the uh, resurgence of COVID and some of the new findings, how COVID and long-haul COVID affects something called the vagus nerve and how it can cause various uh, heart problems uh, long-term and how uh, to tell our audience to prepare themselves and boost their immune system and get ready because when the temperature starts dropping in New York and the air gets dry, and people start moving indoors. Covid goes up. Start seeing, and and it's the opposite in Florida. In Florida, it's opposite in the in the summertime when people go indoors into the air conditioners yeah. and crowd together. That's when they get uh, Doctor, more covid. over. So Peter, thank
2: Tune in again on Sunday at the Cat's Roundtable between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Dr. Peter Michalos will finish this story and tell us more on how you can to live to be 110 at least. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Dr.
8: Peter. Keep up the great work, uh, Captain Cosby. Thank Dr. you. And Peter. now
2: we have Lou Dobbs to tell us what the heck happened in the markets today and what happened with the CPI index. So, Lou, how are you doing? I'm
9: Great to be with you. Thanks. Uh, and what happened today? I'm still trying to assess, but uh, the fact of the matter is, poor inflation uh, is is sort of a, an indicator of what lies ahead. I think uh, that is energy, food. Uh, we have some some numbers backing uh, that are really backing up right now what has been a pretty successful th- fight against inflation. I think this says uh, we could go in either direction on inflation over the next uh, 90 days. Uh, but the likelihood is higher. Even though it was two uh, two points and two points for uh, July and June, uh, the year-over-year number rose uh, 3.2%, uh, and I tend to look at that as uh, more indicative of what we should expect.
2: Well, the price of oil has gone up from last month to this month because of the economic war going on between Russia and the open nations in the United States, and with the price of oil now being at 83 dollars Well, I'm not going to like those CPI numbers next month.
9: Yeah, exactly. And that that number uh, is the strongest move higher uh, in oil, as you well know, uh, in some time. And what we see right now happening in Russia and Ukraine is not promising, uh, in addition to the Saudi decision to uh, take a new direction, and that is to align with China and Russia and move aside the uh, uh, Biden-led regime Uh, We're looking at some significant potential for uh, even uh, significantly higher numbers, whether we're talking about uh, West Texas or Brent.
2: And, Lou, uh, the American people don't want a recession. It looks like if Powell keeps raising those rates, we're going to force a recession.
9: You know, John, I think you and I once talked about uh, Jerome Powell. But here is a man without any experience in central banking whatsoever who decided he could lead the markets higher uh, under the Trump presidency, which is absolute nonsense. No one leads markets. Everyone, irrespective of their own thoughts, follows markets. And he is, again, uh, testing the outer limits of his naivety. Uh, And that is suggesting he's going to be data bound by uh, in making his decisions, but still talking about another two. Uh, rate hikes, uh, despite what uh, we're looking at, uh, which is uh, the possibility concurrently of recession and inflation, that is stagflation. And this is where every Fed runs into trouble looking at these kinds of uh, uh, converging problems.
2: Thank you, Lou Dobbs. And Lou Dobbs will be returning to WABC after a short vacation and look forward to talking to talking to you more, Lou.
9: Me too, John. Thanks so much. Thank you.
2: And, uh, why don't we take a break right now? And we're going to have the, uh, Attorney General of Florida on. And also, uh, John, don't forget, Attorney we got James General, Comer. Well, Attorney General Moody's coming on and James Comer, the, uh, the congressman investigating Hunter Biden. And what new revelations are you going to hear? But you have to stay on till the end of the show. Remember what Curtis says. Don't hang up. Let's take that break. You're commuting
1: home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC.
2: Well, we got uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Judge Richard Weinberg. We have the Attorney General of Florida on. Would you like to
5: introduce her? I will. She's a former state judge, former federal prosecutor, a great Attorney General, one of my my favorite people. In fer- Favorite AGs in the whole country. Ashley, I saw you in a press conference yesterday with Governor DeSantis. You suspended the by executive order a, a local prosecutor. Why was that done and why is that important?
10: Wow. I mean this was this is one of the challenges that so many states and cities are facing across our nation. And that is these folks getting into office as prosecutors and then dating pretty much and then failing to do their job and prosecute crimes that they took an oath to do. Uh, Thankfully, uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, under the Constitution, is required when someone is not faithfully executing the laws as they're required to do. He is constitutionally required to uh, move them. And he made that decision uh, yesterday. And I can tell you, uh, this state attorney was dropping charges almost half of the time so and this includes you know it was dropping charges for violent felonies and gun charges and all of the things that you are seeing have a devastating effect in areas around the nation you know we're not immune from that in florida but thankfully uh, we have a constitution uh, that allows this and we have a governor willing to take the step to make sure that our citizens are safe well
5: as i was reading the executive order ashley it says that the- it was determined that there was a willful neglect of duty and it was incompetence and this endangered the, uh, the public safety.
10: Yeah. I mean, I think if anyone reads the order, it lays out, you know, exactly what the governor was looking at when he made this very important and challenging decision. Right. I mean, nobody wants to take this action. Nobody wants to, um, you know, remove a, a person that is in office. But when you look at, failure to prosecute, the failure to do her job, the failure to follow uh, Florida criminal laws, uh, you know, just in the order it talks about, you know, of 58 non-homicide robbery with a firearm cases that were referred, um, you know, only um, a few had resulted in the required sentence. I mean, you look at the, the 11 non-homicide carjacking with a firearm cases. That and we'll what it was to
5: troubling to me, me. Ashley, what troubled me too, is that she was responsible for letting people out on cases, on, on bail issues, and then they went on to commit even worse crimes.
10: So this is what we're seeing. There are two phases, really, where a dangerous person, a violent person, can be kept away and apart from a law-abiding community. That's when you're waiting trial, pre-trial detention, and that's after someone has been found guilty and sentenced, right? So you have prosecutors around the nation that are not stepping up and making sure these people that are dangerous are held before their trial when it's appropriate. So, right, we had just recently a gentleman that was, uh, I should say, a criminal who had raped a child, came in for bond. It, it wasn't a hearing, it wasn't a whodunit case. It was a, this was the person that did it. There was no doubt there was DNA and they didn't ask for detention. And thereafter, that person got out and shot two officers. I mean, and we could go through this, but I think that what the governor was looking at and what the numbers show is both pretrial and then post sentencing, this prosecutor was not following through on the laws of the state of Florida that required her to prosecute cases. So that's why this action was taken. And, you know, I think there were a lot of people that woke up today in different states and said, you know, I wish that our leaders would take similar actions, especially, I mean, you see what's happening in Philadelphia. It's just devastating to these law-abiding communities and citizens.
0: Well, Ashley Moody, thank you so much for joining us. Keep up the good fight to keep our streets safe um, and hold those who are basically uh, giving a slap on the wrist to repeat offenders. Um, keeping them in line thank you very much it's really great to have you here thank you, Ashley
10: great to be with you guys thank, thank you. you
0: and uh, by the way big headlines about uh, climate and and sort of the uh, inner workings of uh, the climate John change Stossel movement. had a
2: couple of comments let's hear the comments
0: and joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is the great former host on Fox News John Stossel he has Stossel TV by the way videos out every tuesday uh john you had a blockbuster about a scientist who admits basically the overwhelming consensus of climate change crisis is what manufactured it's coming from somebody inside
11: i mean not just somebody but that's where the money is the un when it started the ipcc didn't just say go investigate whether climate change is the problem the people in charge were the usual anti-capitalists and people who hated fossil fuel companies, and they wanted the answer of problems. So they said, study risks. They didn't say, study if there are any good parts. And so the money and the publishing has all come out of finding a problem. And so they do. And the gullible press reads these studies, which hype and scares people to death.
0: You know, John, you talked about this woman, uh, climate scientist Judith Curry, saying, quote, it's a manufactured consensus. Talk about who she is and why that's interesting.
11: She's a climate scientist from Georgia Tech who uh, concluded that hurricanes were getting much stronger and published that. And she was whined and dined by the media and the activist groups and taken to meet politicians. And uh, then somebody pointed out some holes in her research, and like a good researcher, she looked again and found some gaps, times when hurricane strength was down, and said, "Uh, I guess I can't say that. And since for saying that, she got pushed out of Georgia Tech and uh, has been vilified by the climate hysteria movement. Um, So she's doing okay. She has a private weather forecasting business. Um, But she is the one who explains it in my video in a way that sure convinced me that there is this climate hysteria complex funded by the government and promoted by the activists, and they're winning.
2: And, and John, I had uh, a speaker. uh, I have Saturday morning breakfast in Southampton because we're all bored on Saturday mornings. Uh, And the speaker came in from NASA to speak about climate change. And I said to him, uh, you know, climate changes over thousands of years, not over, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And I said to him, why do you want the American people to suffer this, 300 million of us, and we have done everything possible for climate? But meanwhile, you got 3 billion Chinese and Indians – That that don't give it, Don, what they're doing with their climate. uh, They're building 1,000, 2,000 new coal uh, facilities
11: every year. And so the stuff we're spending a fortune to do makes no difference compared to that.
0: Zero difference. John, thank you you very much. much. John Stossel, uh, check it out on Stossel TV every Tuesday. Thanks so much, John. Bye. Wow,
2: that was interesting. Yeah, it sure uh, was. Wow. uh, And uh, I... There's a special birthday today, Peter King.
3: Yeah. John, I've heard so much from you over the years about how you used a Rocky Calavito bat, great effectiveness, and today is Rocky <laughs> Calavito's 90th birthday. Well,
2: happy birthday, Rocky Calavito. I've I used your bat to to, to to threaten many a shoplifter. I never hit one, but I threaten many a shoplifter, and then... They never came
7: back.
0: The threat worked. So you're the, the man worked. you are
3: because of Rocky Calavito's bass. Wow! Absolutely. Happy 90. And
0: Happy 90, intense. Rocco. Happy 90. Rocky. Uh, Rocky. Rocky, I
2: corrected it. <laughs> okay. And it let's go enough. back to Tim Jacobs. <laughs> find out what happened to the Hawker airplane that me and him were piloting over the Rocky Mountains when the right engine went out.
7: It was definitely a um, a traumatic event, and you remained much more calm than I did. Thankfully, that you were on board. So... We and our passengers in the
2: back. Right. we have to declare an emergency, and the clear the
7: closest airport was Phoenix, and not 150 miles downhill. Fortuitously, where they actually make these engines. But by insistence and in popular demand, they said we should go instead to Vegas, all which no, is 300 miles up. All the people in the back said, it's
2: you true." Know, let's go to Vegas. What are we going to do in Phoenix? Yeah.
0: Oh Wait, wait, wait. I, I just, one engine. I yeah. have to get the story straight, that, that you just had to go to Vegas. Is that correct, yeah. guys? Right. Boys? Yeah. Boys? Yeah. Uphill.
7: <laughs> Downhill to where they made the engine. We went uphill. to.
2: And I remember <laughs> approaching the airport in Las Vegas, they had... Fire engines, both sides of the runway. You had foam on both yeah. sides of the runway. And John was and John John's you know, with coming one engine, for Engine landing. With one <laughs> engine, Wow! you had to make the, the that landing
7: right the first time. Yeah. No go-arounds.
2: Well, no go-arounds. So,
0: all right. So let me just ask the, the $64 million question. Well, we made it. Yeah, right. You made it, obviously. But your wives, oh, when you worse. called and said, we had to go no. to Vegas. Not, not we. We flipped the coin. <laughs> I
7: lost. I had to call and tell him, oh, we were coming back and guess what? We lost the Only airport we could go to in was Vegas. I got the dial tone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim Jacobs was one of the best jet pilots. How many airplanes, how many jets were you typed in uh, at your, at your, at the time? Yeah, sev- several at the time, more now, but you know, I must say, and I, a lot of train pilots they flew with that were great. John didn't have a particular license in his plane, and he was cool as a cucumber. I'm going through all this He's cool as here. a
0: cucumber here. I'm not surprised.
7: It made me nervous that he was <laughs> so calm. Well, you did a good job.
2: <laughs> right, Right now, Rita, we have the congressman
0: uh, on the phone. Absolutely. And, we uh, got uh, some go big breaking news.
2: Breaking
1: news. W.A.B.C.
0: And joining us now is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. He is certainly the man of the hour. Everybody talking about him And huge news today uh, in the Biden case. We have with us Chairman James Comer. Uh, Mr. Chairman, so great to have you back here. We loved when we had you here in studio a little while ago. Um, you know, I want to get right to it. You made some big headlines saying uh, that basically you intend to subpoena the members of the Biden family. Uh, When do you think that could happen?
12: Well, I think we've been working towards making a case for several months that will actually win in court. Uh, A lot of people have been calling for a a Biden subpoena for a long time. If it were easy to get a a president or their family in front of a congressional committee, I'm pretty sure the Democrats would have had all the Trumps uh, in front of the the committee. But what we've done is we've laid the case out that uh, there have been many crimes committed by the president's family and with the most recent transcribed interview from Devin Archer, we proved that Joe Biden hasn't been truthful with his knowledge and communication with these people. So what we want now are bank records from the Biden's personal bank accounts. You've seen the charts, I'm sure, in the the various media outlets that are actually covering this investigation where it'll show a country, uh, whether it be Russia or China or Ukraine or Romania, and then it'll have arrows with the money going through different shell companies and then ending up in different Biden family members bank accounts. But we believe that there may be arrows uh, that that go beyond the Biden bank accounts. If you remember, there's a text message and email that Hunter Biden sent his daughter where he complained about having to spend so much of his income on his father that he was having to keep his family up and things like that. Uh, That would implicate Joe Biden. Uh, We've already proven that Joe Biden wasn't truthful when he said he never communicated with his uh, with his family about these shady business dealings, and we know that's not true. We know that, uh, according to Devin Archer, he was the brand. Uh, he was the reason they were getting the money, which which is which is the obvious, but that's now on record. So we need to see for sure whether or not Joe Biden actually received direct payments through this shady money uh, that was laundered through the shell companies to the different Biden family members. Was and that's where we're that's where we're headed,
2: uh, Congressman. Was there money placed in foreign banks besides?
12: <clears throat> we we've always suspected that. In uh, communicating with the IRS whistleblowers, we're confident there are some offshore accounts, and we're doing everything in our ability to get access to that. Uh, One thing that's certain is that the IRS and DOJ knew there were offshore accounts, but like everything else, they've obstructed our investigation. They haven't been truthful. They haven't been transparent. They haven't been forthcoming. And that's what's been so difficult about this investigation. We're having to fight the Department of Justice. We're having to fight the FBI. We're having to fight the, the Treasury Cabinet. We're having to fight the IRS, the Secret Service, the Democrats in Congress, and the mainstream media. But we're still finding new information on a, on a biweekly basis, and uh, I think we put together a pretty solid case as to why we need to see Biden personal bank records, because all of this laundered money ended up, in the different Biden, you know, in at least nine different Biden personal bank accounts. And then you have the communication with Joe Biden and these people, these these bad actors that were, that were sending this money, as well as the communication between Hunter Biden and his daughter, where he said he has to give his dad half his income.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, everybody, we are talking to the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer. Uh, Congressman Peter King, you have a question for him.
3: Hey, Chairman Comer, great to talk to you again. And really, congratulations on the great job you're doing. Uh, you mentioned the Democrats in Congress. Uh, are any of them willing to break ranks at all? Do you sense any weakness on their part? Uh, not that they're getting, say, uh, more religion, but just the reality of the charges building up against the Biden family.
12: Peter, all I've seen from Democrats in Congress is a, a continual effort to defend the indefensible. And the indefensible is that we have a president of the United States whose family was peddling his rear end to our enemies around the world. Uh, to the tune of, so far, $21 million, and that number is going to continue to grow. And they can't say one thing the family did to earn that money. And we see policy decisions that Joe Biden's made from firing the corrupt from, – from firing the prosecutor who was investigating his son's corrupt energy deal in Ukraine to not putting the, the Russian oligarch on the sanctions list who paid – Hunter Biden, $3.5 million, who Joe Biden had dinner with that no one knew about until that Devin Archer transcribed interview. I mean, this is something that should be a concern to to every American, but yet the Democrats continue to turn a blind eye. The one thing, Peter, and I think you know this, that keeps the Democrats unified is their hatred and opposition of Donald Trump. And in their eyes, and in a lot of the the media's eyes, they know – There's corruption here by the Biden family, and they know that Joe Biden knew a hell of a lot more than he's admitted and that he's been dishonest with the American people. But in their mind, they justify it by, well, the alternative is worse. Donald Trump could be president, and we don't want that to happen. And that's how they justify defending the indefensible, their hatred towards Donald Trump.
5: Mr. Chairman's Judge Richard Weinberg, good to talk to you again, sir. I just want to point out that it's also related to what's going on in the federal court investigation in delaware where they Mm -hmm. try to have number one to try to have a sweetheart deal and two they let the statute of limitations run on the burisma matters those are not coincidences which means if Uh, if you and the other members were the other committees uh weren't making this investigation all of this would be buried
12: Exactly. Uh, remember, when we started this investigation at the end of January, the laptop was still Russian disinformation. Uh, no, the Bidens never got any money from China. Uh, none of this money ever happened while Joe Biden was vice president. And Joe Biden never talked to any of the people who were wiring his family money. All four of these th- those things have been proven false by our investigative work. We've got a long way to go. But look, th- you know, the, the lack of curiosity among the media... I just did a CNN interview, believe it or not, with Jake Tapper, just hung, out, just got off the, the Skype with him a second ago. And I'm like, Jake, are you not the least bit curious about this? I mean, all the lies that the president said about his knowledge, all the crimes that have been committed by the Biden family, the evidence that shows that the president's son complained about having to give his father so much money, the amount of money his father's accumulated on a on a politician's salary – over his lifetime, I mean, is that not at the le- in the least bit curious to you? And of course, he he fought back, but look, we're going to continue to get the facts. Uh, we're we're going to continue to fight to get the the truth to the American people, and I think that the American people want to know what level of corruption. Our current president was involved in with his corrupt family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The American public wants the truth. Yeah, I have a couple of quick questions for you, uh, Congressman Comer. Um, Eric Schwerin, this is the other, uh, business associate, as you know. It now turns out he was at the White House a lot more than ever reported. Also the vice president's residence. Do you expect, uh, to issue him a subpoena to testify? And, and what kind of timetable are you looking at for the Biden family members? Just, uh, are we talking weeks? Are we talking months?
12: Yeah. Well, we're moving as quickly as we can. again, uh, you know, people like Sherwin and Devin Archer and and others that were involved in in the shell companies and in the bookkeeping, they've been approached by the Biden legal team and told them that don't cooperate with the House Oversight Committee. You're going to implicate yourself. You're going to incriminate yourself. Uh, And, you know, that's one of the disadvantages we had. If we could grant immunity To some of these people like sherwin and and devin archer i think devin archer would have had a whole hell of a lot more to say if he had had immunity because remember there never was a legitimate business so if you were a business associate of of hunter biden you were never in a legitimate business you know what i mean so you're you're it's been very difficult we've communicated with sherwin but uh he knows a whole lot more than than what he said and he's going to be given an opportunity to uh, To talk under oath and to tell the truth, and uh, we'll see what he has to say. You know, Devin Archer was under an immense amount of pressure. The DOJ sent him a letter on Saturday, and again on Sunday, and and uh, you know did everything in their ability to intimidate him uh, prior to walking in to do our our interview with him. So uh, you know, this is just an unfortunate situation. Another example of. Uh, a government that's out of control, and, and we're going to continue to keep fighting and getting answers.
0: Where do you stand on uh, impeachment inquiry? There's a lot of talk about that. Real yeah, quick.
12: I, I, I strongly support it. I've been in constant communication with McCarthy and Jim Jordan on this issue, and I think that uh, that's where we're headed in September.
0: Wow. Well, thank you. Uh, Congressman James Comer, you got to come back in again soon here in New York, and also always love having you here on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank, thank you. you thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, what a show, you guys. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth,
2: justice, Justice and the American American way. way. God bless America.